All right, we're going to go to Jude and see how long it takes us to go there before we find something else. What do we know about the book of Jude? What? Okay, the half-brother of Jesus. Anything else? What? Shortest, okay. Is it shorter than Philemon? When you said that the, the New Testament was in uh, sequential order, I think it's shorter. Paul's letters. Paul's letters. That's all right. That's all right. Still, it's a short one. Peculiar one. A lot. Di- okay. So there we go. Jude's moving up the list. Um, there are some peculiar peculiarities, some difficulties, some questionable stuff in Jude. Uh, a, a section of Second Peter matches Jude really well. People wonder why we have the duplicate. Hmm? Well, yes. But different human authors. And uh, uh, very, very much alike. We'll look at a little of that as we go through. Uh, in 25 verses, they talk about, uh, Jude talks about angels for four times. I mean, not a lot. But yet, that's a pretty disproportionate uh, amount of looking at the angels or angelic beings, celestial, the glorious ones, as uh, ESV uh, translates one of the passages. He uses some extra biblical material. Two different books are cited The Assumption of Moses. And the book of Enoch, since, uh, verse 9, uh, when the archangel Michael contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses, he didn't presume or pronounce a blasphemous judgment. That's, uh, we get that information uh, from the assumption of Moses. And then another passage we'll look at, uh, we have the book of Enoch. Uh, so that's different. Why would he quote uh, intertestamental? These are two books from the intertestamental time, tacking on famous people to promote error. Called pseudepigrapha, false authorships or false writings. But they use Moses and uh, Enoch to. bring forth their heresies, but the names supposedly will give them some credibility. <clears throat> we, uh, in verse 4, they, he talks about these false teachers who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. That word master is not the typical word that is used. In fact, here and in First uh, Peter, the corollary 
passage in 1 Peter, the only two places it's used of Jesus. It's the word despot. Uh, so uh, that's unique, if you will, or, or rare, uh, where he says he's the only sovereign or the only one, our only master, the Lord Jesus. That's unique to, to Jude. So keeping the uniqueness of Jesus as the one and only is uh, very important to the background and what he teaches here. Of course, the great doxology in verse 24 and 25. Uh, so generally, he is uh, refuting false teachers. We can't know a whole lot, but we can take what we read and what we see and uh, come to some conclusion, conclusions about why he wrote the letter. Um, Let's read it, and then we'll just do some general background tonight and maybe answer some questions or have a discussion. Uh, why don't we break it up? Somebody want to read the first seven verses, and then somebody read from 8 to verse 16, and then somebody close it. Make sure you read where we can hear, or I can. It would be better than just listening to me all the time. Uh, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were de designated for this condemnation, ungodly people, who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, served as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal life. Yet in the like manner of these people also, relying on their dreams to file the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by what they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds, swept along by wind, by winds, fruitless trees, and like autumn twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars, for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones, to execute judgment on all and to convict all <clears throat> ungodly of all their deeds and of, uh, of all their deeds of ungodliness 
that they have committed in such an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, that the predictions of our of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, they said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers, following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire to show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. 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 Thank you. So, uh, General background, uh, just a number of things we can glean out of here. Uh, Opposition to false teachers. We got some false teachers that uh, I I just wrote down as we were necessary. He said, I wanted to write to you something about our common salvation, but it is necessary. He was impelled, compelled to... uh, to, to mark out these false teachers, which is uh, the mark of a good shepherd. That's what a good shepherd should be doing. Uh, John chapter 10, where Jesus is talking about, uh, I am the good shepherd. He says, the hired hand is glad to feed the sheep. But when the wolf shows up, the hired hand is, is deserting the sheep, not caring for the sheep. Jude stands up now as the wolves have, have arise, ha, arisen. Uh, and so he urgently, uh, necessarily warns uh, the Christians and the churches. Godless men, and you see part of the error that they're teaching, change the grace into license and deny the Lord Jesus. Do we see that? What would we, how would that show itself contemporary, contemporarily? Turning grace into license. Antinomianism. Okay, antinomianism, which is, what's that? No law. No law. Playing itself out in a, what, a, a laxness of living the Christian life, because, hey, grace is here. Kind of the free grace movement, some of those things, okay? So uh, that's some of what he's combating against. Where, verse 8, where do they get, what is the source of their false teaching? They're dreams, they're dreamers, but they're having these dreams and maybe visions. Uh, I think we can identify some of that in contemporary, in our contemporary society. 
But verse 8 says they're, they're dreamers, most likely. They've uh, received some special revelation, some uh, uh, added to, or again, working its way up, superseding uh, the, the word of God and the revelation of Jesus. You know, the, the Roman Catholic dogma is they have three sources, right, of truth. And supposedly they're all on the same level where you have church tradition, you have the Bible, and you have something with the Pope. Uh, but their church tradition most often supplants the Word of God or rises above the Word of God. Uh, in what? Okay, and the Mormons, yes. Yes, which is, yes. Uh, charismatics, in, in some of the uh, extreme charismatic situations or groups where um, uh, the experience trumps the Word of God. Not that the experience or what I'm experiencing as a Christian living my life confirms the Word of God, but my experience doesn't it, they're going to read and believe the Bible, most all of them, but their experience will, if it contradicts the word of God, the experience will hold a lot of uh, strength in their faith, in their belief. Uh, and so Jews says, true faith has already been delivered, once for all delivered to the saints. Therefore, reject anything that is outside the word of God that takes away or that adds to. We good? Um, we can also uh, see some of maybe implied or pull out some of their teaching. Beginning in verse 5, 6, and 7, he gives three instances of Sin, right? Uh, now I remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a, a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Then, and angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, we'll have what fun with that in a couple of weeks, and the angels who did not stay with their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he is kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. There's a second sin that he, that he brings up as illustration. And then he comes to Sodom and Gomorrah and their uh, heinous immorality. That could be some of what he's reminding these folks that he's writing to is there's consequences to sin. And here's the examples. He blessed the people coming out of Egypt, but he, in their unbelief, they were, there was consequences to their unbelief. Uh, these angels who left their primary, their original estate, have been uh, relegated to eternal chains. And then Sodom and Gomorrah and the immorality, we know what happened uh, there. So there's some more... Uh, seemingly they're legitimizing some immorality with their teaching. Again, goes back to free grace. Um, 
one uh, commentator uh, mentioned elitism, these, these elite folks who get this higher uh, knowledge, you know, chosen by God, anointed from on high. Uh, you've heard it before. If you've, you know, God told me, and then he's, uh, I, he's exempted me. It's, it's, it's remarkable to me uh, often where someone gets involved, Christians, preachers, whoever, get involved uh, in immorality and will feel that sense of being justified in it and excuse it. I've been exempted or something like that. Few will say I've been exempted, although I've read a couple who will say God has given me permission to do this. Um, so uh, these claims backed up with uh, uh, visions, backed up with revelations, backed up with prophetic, uh, if you will, uh, utterances, uh, claim to be endowed with special gifts. Uh, the normal guidelines don't apply to me. Uh, that may be some of what's going here. Again, we'll, it, it, this won't affect as we look at the verses going through, but the background matters to why Jude is writing this letter and why he writes it the way that he does. Uh, I was reading through some groups in the English Civil War, 1600s. Uh, there were a couple of groups that just kind of cast off all rain, uh, all restraint, uh, uh, a group called the Everlasting Gospel said that there was the age of the Father from the fall to the death of Christ. That's the age of the law. Then the age of the Son, which is the age of the Gospel. And then the third was the age of the Holy Spirit, which is present the present age when the Holy Spirit comes into the heart of all men to free them from existing forms and ordinances. Again, an age of grace became popular during the mid-1600s. And another group, Elizabethan Familyist. Corey, do you know that? You heard of that? Okay, I hadn't either. Well, what what what, uh, these folks did was they divorced and married uh, just as they wanted, and they would do it in their church services uh, in the mid-1600s. You know, they would get married just by declaration. Then they would get divorced by declaration, however they wanted. And as I was reading about this, it was, it was practiced for a long time, but it was hidden. It came out in the open here in the... They came out of the closet and did it in their public services. Or it's just kind of, you know, no covenants, no anything official. You just come and go in marriage and abuse the marriage. Um, for one man to be tied to one woman or vice versa is a fruit of the curse. We're freed from the curse. Therefore, uh, we're free to, uh, in the f- phrase that I saw, make use of uh, whom we please. Um, 
So uh, the idea of God's free grace and the Spirit bringing freedom is often used as a cloak for sin, isn't it? Peter, 1 Peter 2, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. What about today? How does... Um, I, I have two, again, the extreme charismatics. I don't mean to pick on them, but some, you know, I mean, it's public in their teaching and preaching. For some, they have this new revelation. They're going to give you something new. Uh, they are el- the elite people. It's, they have knowledge that others don't. Um, their revelation will end up, again, superseding Scripture. Um, normal Christian morality no longer applies because there's new revelation. We have a new breed of Christian. I, we saw that a little bit in the early 2000s with the emergent church where, I mean, you can find preachers using foul language in the pulpit as they preach their sermons with this sense of freedom. Some of the restraints are gone because I don't know why. I don't know how they justify it, but it was happening somewhat. Um, So whatever's happening when Jude's writing in the first century and whatever might apply in other centuries, there's nothing new under the sun. Sin is sin, and sin will be sin. Uh, And so some of these same things are just coming in a different dress, in a different flavor, in different kinds of ways. Uh, Of course, the New Age movement, that, that... the Eastern spirituality, you know, the, the, uh, huh? TM, yes. Uh, you add a cult and mix it in with, uh, with the uh, Eastern religions and uh, self-fulfillment. Uh, those things uh, where actually we become, you become, if you get to the right place, a god. Uh, and that worked its way into the, some of the charismatic, early charismatic teachers, where you become gods. We, Peter says, we have the divine nature, right? And so if you twist that around and pervert that, well, we become gods. And um, so we, you know, with me as God, any behavior becomes spiritual because I'm, I am the one who's determining what's right and what's wrong. When I, uh, the uh, church, I went to a church growth conference. I, I really thought I was minding my own business when I went to a church growth conference in 1988. My, I was teaching a lot of the discipleship classes at the church where I was. And so I thought I was going to help the church grow. It was at, uh, up in Dallas. And uh, there were a couple of good speakers and there was Paul Yonggi Cho, or I think David Yonggi Cho. He had a church in Korea, 830,000 people. He's kind of the father of the cell churches. Uh, he was born a Buddhist. He was uh, uh, 
and his, his father's business went bankrupt there in South Korea where he was growing up, and there was an army base. So he went to the army base and, and learned English from the soldiers. Uh, this is right before World War II. Um, and so he went to the army bases, learned English, uh, and met a, a woman who evangelized him. He became a Christian. He became part of the assembly of God. Uh, and during the time right after his conversion, he got tuberculosis, and he was healed of tuberculosis. And uh, so he started this cell group movement, and like I said, as many as 830. Well, he taught at this Baptist church growth conference how to grow your church. Um, eventually, he was accused of ancestral worship, so he was just mixing the old with the new and took, added Jesus to every... Uh, it was just a concoction uh, uh, he was eventually convicted of embezzling money. He said, I simply held on to the dreams that the Lord gave me all the way through his ministry. But he was at a church growth conference in a Southern Baptist church teaching us how to grow a church. Um, so whatever errors we find here, we can find here in Jude, we can find wherever we look, whenever we look throughout the uh, ages of the church. So the false teachers in Judah, they're boastful and they're above authority. Uh, so that's there. So they have this new revelation, apostolic, that goes beyond the apostolic faith, dreams and visions that uh, lead them to contact, of course, with angels and, and uh, different kinds of uh, spiritual or spiritual experiences of some sort. Uh, they get the new truth, and then they're able to understand it, so they're going to teach it. Uh, you know, Paul says we'll judge, uh, we'll judge the angels, right? But that's future. It was in the here and now for uh, these seemingly in the here and now. It's kind of uh, an eschatology that... Is, is, is not future, but uh, current or, or contemporary. Uh, the book of Enoch, again, uh, who's Enoch? Why would, why, would, why would someone want to use the name of Enoch on a letter or on a document to promote error? Why would they use Enoch? Okay, he walked with God, uh, he followed God, he's, I mean, here's a model Christian, right? So we should listen to Enoch. He knows what he's talking about. Well, this Enoch, uh, he was a godly man. He had visions of angels. He was given celestial secrets, according to the book of Enoch. Uh, the Jewish people would be familiar. It widely, both of these two books that, Jude alludes to widely circulated in the first century. Uh, it would not catch many Jews uh, uh, by surprise that some of these uh, teachings. And at one point, it, toward the end of Enoch, he, he actually protects or stands between 
He's the mediator between God and rebellious angels. So in one sense, it portrays him as protecting God from these rebellious angels. So that would be just some of the themes of uh, the book of uh, Enoch. We'll talk about why he would use that. But, uh, and then the assumption of Moses, again, lots of angels, lots of celestial beings uh, with these supernatural experiences that Moses had as God dealt with him and the Israelite people and some of the same things that we see where people uh, claim, talk about their experiences and these miraculous things. Uh, and then a, th- a third part of the situation is something like, you know, what is the Catholic Church? The Catholic Church has all kinds of, and I won't say they've embraced them, but they have accepted claims of those who have all kinds of visions, right? Uh, where do they see Mary? They see Virgin Mary in all kinds of places and all kinds of things, uh, extra biblical, you know. And, and for the Catholic Church, we talk about elite people. The Catholic Church deems these folks who reach a certain maturity level as saints. Is that biblical? We're all saints, right? We're all saints not because we attain to a particular spiritual maturity. We're saints because of what Christ has done on our behalf. And then he has come and saved us. And we are saints. All believers are saints. So um, that's another error. Uh, No elitism. We're all equal at the foot of the cross, right? Yeah, we have different callings. We have different roles and responsibilities in the kingdom, in our churches, in our lives. Uh, but we're, there's no elite people in the kingdom of God except the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, in, uh, so they're taking this idea of despot Despotes, uh, and they are um, applying it to themselves, if, uh, uh, using their experiences as making them somebody's, backing up their new doctrines with their experiences. And how do you how do you respond when someone uh, tells you about maybe a vision they've had or a dream that they had that? The determinants from God. I have an old friend that does that to me every day. Does it to you every day? Yeah, okay. I, I tell her um, it's not biblical, but just leave it there and I'll it. Yeah. So we can't have dreams that, I, any dreams that we have, they, like maybe, I don't know, like sometimes you think that God is trying to tell you something. Is that not right? Um, how does it hook up with the Word of God? And why does he not speak to you through the word of God in that same area? Are you searching the word of God? There is subjectivity. And I mean, you know, the Lord, um, by his spirit, impresses us. He prompts us. And the question is, how do you know where's the Lord or not? You test the spirit. 
you be sure that you check in the word of God. Does this con contradict anything? Does this have any biblical basis? Because we're not going to be led by God apart from the word. Right? Yes, Lee. You don't need them if they agree with Scripture, and they're false if they don't agree with Scripture. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? But I doubt you get a very good conversation over that, James. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I'm. I, I don't have an answer. Except that, is it according to the word of God, you can know for sure it's not the Lord uh, if it's contrary. Just because this is growing and going mainstream, it's not new, but it's becoming popular again. It'll take a little years of say that There are people that are taking substances in order to contact entities, um, and this is a form of dreaming whereby they Yeah, uh, here's, don't be afraid of saying, I think the Lord's leading me in this direction. Don't be afraid of that. Just test it, you know? And there's just how many, what? I hope he is. Yeah, how many, how many decisions do you make that you don't have a, a proof text for? I mean, you know? you got to hide God's word in your heart as much of it as you can to build the database of principles and scripture verses and then live accordingly. I don't want to... It's not all concrete. I wish there were a whole lot more black and white statements. It seems the longer I live, the more gray areas there are that we have to sort through by principle. You know? And... Um, and the Lord does direct us. Another principle related to personal revelation mm -hmm. is that you would have to ask the question, why would God tell you something very specific that he didn't want to reveal to all of the rest of us as well? I mean, it just beckons that question yeah. that why is he giving you something special that he didn't tell anybody else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you better write it down. Let's share it with the rest of us. If he does.
Okay. Um, okay, what's that? Okay, yeah. Somebody been on Twitter. Uh, uh, go ahead, Andy. Dreams, okay. I, mean, I do have a good friend that I really respect. I think he's a fellow believer. Mm-hmm. But he's, uh, he tells me that his apostles at his church have had a vision of Christ. Yeah. And that's what makes them an apostle. They've had a vision of Christ. Okay. And that's what makes them an apostle. Well... You know, we would. Yeah, that's subjective. We would we would say there's no more apostles because of uh, a few few passages and because of what it took, what it required for Matthias to replace Judas. Right? I mean, that's not all. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, cast lots. They, uh, uh, he had to be with Jesus through the ministry. Uh, anyway, yeah, um, be careful. Yeah. Test the spirits. You know, I, I told more than once my friend who told me Jesus visited him, and I said, how do you know it was Jesus? And he said, he looked just like that picture on the wall. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, and we laughed, but... but <laughs> How does he know, you know? And, and the problem there was he was a Mormon or he was nothing. I mean, he was not a religious man, but he had that background. And he, his statement was, Jesus came into my room and told me I'm okay. So uh, how do you know it was Jesus? Well, because it could have been an assurance from the enemy, so he would no longer wrestle with the status of his soul. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so we're gonna we'll, we'll enjoy. I think we'll enjoy this. Why would he use extra biblical books? Uh, anybody else that you know of use anything outside of uh, Paul? Okay. Quote of the poets. The Cretans say everyone's a liar, all, or it's said that all Cretans are liars. Um, so if, if uh, just thinking here, uh, if teachers claim new revelation on a par with or superseding scripture, Jude, what Jude does is he takes these books that have these ecstatic experiences of Moses and Enoch, Right? which would be kind of preferred literature for these false teachers who are doing the same thing with themselves. But what he does when he alludes to those books, he shows that uh, uh, even those books call people to godliness and uh, condemn sin. And so he can use their literature in one sense Possibly, that's why he's doing it. He can use their literature that, that rejects their free grace, their uh, antinomian, their lawless living, is justifying sin. Uh, 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 when, when uh, remember Jude's writing from an, a family 
that is an elite family, or at least considered by some an elite family, right? Uh, there was a word that was a play off of this uh, term for Jesus, the despot. Jesus was the despot. I'm, I'm uh, Anglican, I'm English-sizing a Greek word. But uh, the despot that Jesus is called there in verse 4, um, there was a, 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 a word that described the people of Jesus' family that used that same root stem, okay? And so they were looked at that way. Um, and Jude's going to be part of that. He's part of the elite in some people's eyes in the society. And, uh, I mean, his mother and father had angel visits, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, uh, uh, they're part of an elite group, and yet he opposes any idea because somebody read verse 1. Um, Warner, read verse 1 in your uh, copy of the Scripture. Okay, see, he's not claiming anything uh, elite at all, though he could by societal norms, but he's saying, no, I'm a servant. I am the lowest of the servants. I'm a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ, a bondservant. And if I, from this family, don't dare call myself somebody, where do the false prophets, false teachers get uh, uh, get off doing it themselves, right? So um, anyway, that's just, uh, again, some background. Every group of false teachers are claiming some kind of elitism. They have the crucial truths. They have special insight. Uh, they usually will become their own, a separate set. But this group has come into the church. Reminds me of Paul with the Ephesian elders on the beach Wolves are coming. They're coming from outside, and then they're going to rise up from within. And you have to watch, elders. You have to protect the church both from the outside and the inside. Um, some of you remember. You had to have been here a little while. The group, of the, the group that came into the church, Craig got challenged in Sunday school class by uh, one of the members of a heretical church. On top, do you remember what you what the issue was? Uh, uh, temple, the veil being torn uh, at the time of Christ's death showed that we all had access to God. And he was arguing that you gained access and lost access to God based on something. Oh, okay. Okay, so it was a moralism kind of a thing, right? Yeah, and kind of a gain your salvation, lose your salvation sort of uh, assertion. So picture, picture our first Sunday fellowship meal after church, then Bible study, then we're all sitting around tables. At that point in time, we were smaller, and we ate lunch every Sunday. And seven or eight young people looked like yeah, normal people came in, and we sat down for lunch after he challenged Craig in Sunday school, uh, and that was just part, anyway. And so they sat down and they began to interview everybody. In fact, they determined Andy was probably not saved. 
Did you know that? What? I don't know what it was. I don't remember what it was. But they have been appointed by God to help um, winnow out the chap or help you know whether or not you truly are converted. It wasn't one of them 30 years old, I don't think. But they were, they were part of a group, and, and that was their call. In fact, they stood up in one of Joel Osteen's uh, services later on after that. So we just uh, invited them not to be there anymore, and uh, we talked to them. We saw what they were about, and uh, they were disinvited. Huh? Helped them fix the flats so they could leave. Yes. Uh, but but these, this idea of elitism, this group, they're up near Lufkin. If you want to know about them, you can ask me later. But, but they were self-appointed, although that's my estimation. They have a different estimation of their appointment to help know, help people know whether or not they were deceived. In fact, they came to see they came to our church to see if one of their friends who was attending our church was being deceived by the teaching. So any false teaching group will, uh, will have a sense of elitism. Uh, they'll be teaching something like, we have the key to freedom in Christ. We have the key to how you can enjoy your liberty in Christ and how you can grow. Um, and, and just to say, we all need to be free of error. We all need to grow spiritually. But any growth outside the scriptural faith, once for all delivered to the saints, is not spiritual growth. It's not going to get us anywhere. Uh, so, um, and just to close... Not just through spiritual experiences do people become elite. Or in their own mind, I'm saying. It could be through intellectual achievement and attainment, right? Dividing sharply between the uh, taught and the untaught, uh, you know, the uh, uh, academic and the non-academic Christians, laity and and, and, and whatever else, uh, ministers. But there's another way that I, I just closed my paper with yikes. Certain doctrinal traditions can encourage some to see themselves as superior to other Christians. I just wrote yikes. Be careful. Maintain your humility that whatever you know, whatever you have has been given to you by God. And we, you, me, we don't have it all right yet. We're doing our best, right? But we're not glorified yet. And until we're glorified, we have things to learn, and maybe even on past. Okay, so that's, that's sort of an overview of Jude, where we'll go for a couple of weeks to see how long it takes, and we'll talk some of that. Any, anything before we stop?
Okay. Father, we thank you that you've given us your word, and we pray that you would help us to uh, know it, study it, believe it, uh, and live it. In the power of your spirit, we cannot do it ourselves. Teach us, we pray, and help us to guard against error and elitism and self-confidence. We pray this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.